0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday on Soft Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor Kira. That lovely sound that you just heard, yeah, that was that was Baby Shark. Why? Why'd you hear Baby Shark? Did we record an interview with Land Shark Tony? No, 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 not yet. That's well, TBD on that. Uh, we are, however, celebrating the two-year anniversary of the Jim McElwain shark photo. That that is this week. Um, it's actually the anniversary was. The same day as your birthday um yeah, is that a coincidence I, I don't think so it also played that song because it's an absolute banger connor it is a banger i listened to it again this morning and i was like oh my gosh i could see why this has 2.7 billion views on yeah, youtube or whatever that
1: and like eminem till i collapse it's like like one and two on my workout playlist so i love it
0: which one's one <laughs> i'm not telling you that all right fair enough We have interviews that we recorded um, yesterday with our own Neil Blackman and SB Nation's Morgan Moriarty talking all things McElwain two-year anniversary. We had so, so much fun with that. (laughs) Yeah, we did. It was was great. Florida fans, like, I think now, and we were talking about this before we came on, I think now Florida fans can actually look back and laugh on this because yeah. yes, while it was a terrible, bizarre period in time, a lot of Florida fans say this was kind of the beginning of the end of the McElwain era. Now they have Dan Mullen. You have the season that you did. You can laugh. If you're in Florida state's position and you haven't had that, like get over the hump moment yet. You know, if we we're doing a podcast about Jimbo Fisher and the Christmas tree, maybe it wouldn't be as well received. Right. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, but, that's fair.
1: But also Florida fans, if you are not in a place where you can laugh at this yet, just realize that we're still going to make fun of it because it's hilarious, We and are. it never stopped being hilarious. We are.
0: Uh, it, it is glorious. So we are the official two-year anniversary Jim McElwain Shark <laughs> Photo Podcast. Um, it was birthday week, though. Uh, real it was. quick, before before we get into this, because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff oh, today. Boy. We got some. We we got some uh, stuff about South Carolina. We're going to get into some Will Muschamp, even some some terrible coach rankings for ACC and SEC coaches that by now you've already seen. But before we get into all that, how's your birthday? It was good, man. I, it was
1: uh, Uncle Chris. Got a, uh, had a lot of fun in the afternoon. Surprised. Very yeah. surprised to hear it. <laughs> um, went out to a brewery, had some drinks, had some more drinks. Had a blast, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, became best friends with a couple that I don't remember, but apparently friended me on Facebook because they follow SDS. Oh. So there's that. That was pretty much it. Then we watched the, some hockey, and, and that was it. How about you?
0: I feel like that's the common denominator in all your like random encounters with people is blah, blah, blah. They did this, this. Oh, but they love SDS. So yeah. It's really great.
1: <laughs> Thank God. Because otherwise they would have not wanted me to talk to them. I, I will say this. We did run into a kite guy and I have to share this story because this Wait. was.
0: Yes, please. Oh,
1: that, that. Is, so that's a real thing. I just said we ran into a kite guy or, uh, but the better way to phrase it is like he sought us out. And I hate to say this because it was, he seemed like he didn't have a lot of friends, but he also wasn't going about uh, making them the best way and he had a, a kite that was 6000 feet long that's real Whoa. size matters yeah there you go and he he had like a giant fishing rod it almost like like a like a unicycle like on his chest and he like he walks up and we had like my friend brought his kids and he was like what's your name he's like amelia's like that's the name of my kite and i was like oh is it oh. though and so then the other one's name is lucy and he's like i have another kite at home her name's lucy too and i was like what in the world? Like, I don't know. I'm past my birthdays to where I would have been on anything that he was in, like, that was in his system, but he was flying high. I will say that. <laughs> that's, that's not he was the, a the, real big
0: weirdo. Not the words of a sober man. No, no.
1: Facts. It was, and then, and then, like, at the very end, when finally everyone stopped, like, like talking to him, he goes, well, guess I'm going to go drive for Lyft. And we're like, oh, God, just see All you right. later, dude. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Kite How Guy. What was your birthday? Go,
0: go look him up on Instagram. It's funny that you mentioned Kite Guy because we're actually, um, uh, our neighborhood, is, there's this like little area that, um, it, it's got like a like a big, like kind of like man-made pond. It's really, really like scenic, kind of nice area to look at and stuff. And uh, we're taking a walk there after dinner on my birthday. And I love clouds. I've never told you, I've never told you this. <laughs> I love like diff like voluminous clouds, like that's a weird thing. And I said I said uh, I said to my wife, I'm like I should start an Instagram account, just cloud guy. Just all things clouds. So you met Kite Guy and I could have been cloud guy for somebody else, but I wasn't. I'm not gonna go to that. I'm gonna point. let you know right work.
1: now. I don't need I don't want you to do that to yourself. I, I realized that. I saw I this guy that. also had like a, a kind of a reddish beard. I don't want you to turn into that guy, Connor.
0: I'm I'm getting there. Um, we're, we're not doing that though. That that okay. is peak off season. Rest of the birthday though was really good. Went out for a steak. Ate well all day. Chick fil A for lunch, of course. There um, you go. They threw in the freebie cookie because it was my birthday. Sick brag. It's cool Life you had your birthday
1: good. not on Sunday. Thanks a lot, yeah. Chick
0: fil A. Yeah. Sorry about that. Get on my level. <laughs> um, all right, peak off season stuff for you. Peak off season comment maybe. Is discussing schedules. Yeah. We often discuss schedules about how difficult they are, how easy they are. Everybody was talking about Clemson a few weeks ago and getting all mad about that. And the comment that made the rounds uh, the other day, Paul Feinbaum saying, our good friend Paul Feinbaum, <laughs> saying that. Your good well, friend. What my good friend, your restraining order, frenemy, we'll call yeah. that. Uh, Feinbaum said that South Carolina has the toughest schedule in the country. And. This feeds into a bigger topic of discussion when it comes to the Gamecocks. And that is, one, can they survive this? Well, first of all, let's, let's just break down the schedule. Because if you don't have it in front of you, all right. How likely do you. I need to
1: tread in my response to this since I'm already on, on friendship, probation, and have a restraining order?
0: I, well, with Feinbaum, you're yeah. saying, like, to call him out. I, yeah. I'd say you can could, you could attack his opinions. That's, okay, cool. that's, that's why he throws this stuff out there. Fair. So, South Carolina has Bama at home. Georgia on the road, Clemson at home. Uh, they have UNC in the opener. They have the game at home against Florida. They're home against Kentucky, the team that they just cannot beat. Our good friend Mark Stoops owns the state of South Carolina. Yep. And they have to travel to College Station to face AM. So it's 10 games against Power 5 opponents. Is there anybody in the country that has a tougher schedule than that, I ask you? Yes, and it's not even
1: close. And there's two, and I'm glad you brought them up here, there's two in their own conference. It's not even, it's not even close.
0: Well, they do. I mean, I will say it's when you say it's not even close. I mean, they have the Bama, Georgia, and Clemson, which one sure. you have one, two, and three on your schedule.
1: and if, if those are those are potentially top five teams, that is really difficult. I agree with that. But I think when we talk about how difficult their schedule is, their schedule is difficult. I think relative to how good of and talented of a team they are, that sure. I think that's where this was like kind of like misguided or you know, miss said from, from, uh, from Feinbaum because A&M is way more difficult. <laughs> they also play
0: all three of those teams. Bama at Clemson, at Georgia, also at LSU. Got to go to Death Valley. Uh, both Death Valleys. Wow, that's really tough, difficult. And then they're at home against Auburn. The only thing that I would say with with A&M, and I, you could definitely make the case, I'm not saying, I'm not definitively agreeing with Feinbaum, but the nine... Power 5 games versus 10 Power 5 games. A&M does have the 9 Power 5 games. South Carolina has the 10. That would be the counter argument to that. But, yeah, in terms of the schedule. I wonder who to schedule,
1: the, extra, the other power, t- like power 5 game is they have. It's North
0: Carolina, right? Yeah, UNC in the opener, yeah. they do that one um, in We should right.
1: ask A&M and Auburn if they would rather play North Carolina on our neutral site <laughs> or go to the
0: other Death Valley. Yeah, I would not want to go to the other Death Valley. That yeah. sounds terrible um uh, great from a fan's perspective don't don't get me yeah. wrong but like just like having to play actual football and not just like tailgate all day and yeah no that why would anybody and keep in mind that? this is
1: a team that also just got beat 28 nothing in the belk bowl by virginia it's not like you know i, I again I, I think this is way more about their level of talent and and you know where they can project as a team than it is against like the actual strength of their schedule
0: Auburn is another one that I've seen thrown out there, but we tend to not think that Auburn is worthy of this in the year that they get Bama and Georgia at home. But I will say that Auburn does still have the Oregon game in Dallas. Yeah. Oregon is Oregon's, you know, a team that could, I think, can go in a lot of different ways. I get a lot of the preseason buzz with Justin Herbert, but like that's still a relatively unproven thing and, so I'm not necessarily sold on Oregon as that like being a top ten team automatically, but they do also have to travel to A and M to Florida. That's going to be an interesting yeah. game, um, and then also obviously at LSU home against Georgia and Bama. So, so it's that's LSU, right there.
1: LSU usually A and M's a November game, but is that LSU Florida stretch? I feel like is like right back to back.
0: Yeah, the the I think it's the first weekend of October that they have to go to Florida. Right, and usually
1: and, LSU is the last weekend because last year it was. The same weekend we were in Oxford for the Ole Miss game.
0: That's right. That's right. We saw the rise of Joe Burrow. That's right. Um, yeah. So th- I think that people are going to throw that one in there. If you're talking about the toughest schedules in the SEC, I think those are the three. I know Georgia fans are like, "Hey, we have played Notre Dame in non-conference." Yeah, <laughs> and, and they and got it Georgia is. Tech. I, I get all that too. Um, who does wait? Who does Georgia? have? I'm blanking I mean, Georgia on who Tech's Georgia Tech going to suck the- this year.
1: But I, and I, I love Georgia Tech. I love Jeff Collins. I love that hire. But Georgia does have a claim to this because that's going to be a very difficult thing. I think for me, it's they, they play tech, they play Notre Dame, and then I believe the other two are definitely non-power 5 and one of them might even be FCS. I'm not I'm not 100% sure.
0: I'll I try to find the crossover. Who's the other crossover?
1: For Georgia, is it Ole Miss this year? No. Know, could, no, because that was maybe. recent. That was recent. I don't know. I haven't we it's still 2 weeks until like the the preseason magazines come out. True. Um I forgot who the other crossover is, but regardless, like and they do get Florida at a neutral site game.
0: Um, oh, done. it's it's A and M. We we already glossed over that. That's then right. what's
1: the other one? Oh, oh, Auburn. I always mix that up. Okay, that makes sense. So I yeah. I mean, I think I think the Georgia one stuff. I, I think for me, it's it's definitely between A and M and it's between Auburn. And the only reason I would say A and M has the more difficult one is, is it has nothing to do with Auburn getting Georgia and Bama at home because that slate that they have is a nightmare. And I don't know who's doing the scheduling for Auburn, but stop it just for the sake of Gus Malzahn. Stop it! Like you, you are a jerk, man. you Why are you doing this? Tim? Washington was a very, very difficult test last year. Start the season. I think Oregon's a top ten team. I, I really think Oregon's going to be very difficult to play this year uh, in that opening game. I know that Auburn. I think Auburn will win, but like that's still Justin Herbert, as I say. Don't um, get it? I don't <laughs> get it, <laughs> Justin. Herbert. Why you the friends are out with that? I don't know, but Justin Herbert. Um, I think is a is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think I think they are potentially as good as being like a top five team. I think they're definitely top ten. But regardless, what A and M has to do all on the road, that's a nightmare. That's oh, a brutal. nightmare brutal. to have Clemson on the road and Georgia on the road, and then and I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure they get Clemson and Georgia early in the season enough where it's just going to be hot as
0: hell. Yep. Oh, it's going to be going to be brutal and. Strength of schedule should not factor into preseason rankings. That's the dumbest thing in the world. That yes, bothers me so much. True. If you're writing about preseason rankings and you're talking about a team's schedule, and maybe maybe you could say like in that you have to also say, I don't know if they can sustain this, right. but that should not be part of the conversation whatsoever. That's just a, a different subject. Also, they're on the ha- wrong
1: side real quick of, of the LSU game in terms of motivation true. for that. Because LSU fans are still pissed. Yeah.
0: When are LSU fans not pissed? Let's be honest.
1: That's also true. Anyway, is out. So so nice
0: <laughs> How about this though? What about I I just realized how difficult Stanford's schedule was, and I understand it's it's the Pac-12. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, we can talk about the Pac-12 and how the conference is not that good. Whatever, they are in the better division. They're in the North Division, and they're non-conference schedule. So, get this: This they have (laughs) a home game against Northwestern, which Northwestern won nine games last year, and they've actually been like a decent team. It's not you know a gauntlet Power Five game, but it's still a a a team that beat them by the way a couple years ago when they had Christian McCaffrey. Also, they have to travel down here, my neck of the this woods, to so Orlando. Stupid. This is they dumb. have to go to UCF. They put this on the schedule like probably like four or five years ago, and they're like, "Oh, we'll just throw in a game against UCF." Yeah, that's not that's not ideal because UCF could start off as a top fifteen team, and then oh by the way, you get Notre Dame at the end of the season. So have fun with that. They Stanford. get it at home, which is nice.
1: Also, how about the fact that Stanford has yet another tight end that I think as of right now is the number one overall tight end projected for next year's class. Which is like the, it'll be the eighth straight year they would have had a tight end drafted. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, and also, I do love the fact that that Stanford and, and Northwestern are playing strictly because Northwestern. If you remember this last year, their out of conference game was Duke. One of their out of conference games was against Duke. So I just love these like little nerds, like you know, kind of like these nerd schools. Like I'm, I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. But like the GPA bowl, the GPA bowl, like the nerd school is like being like, you know what, dude? It's a compliment. Come on, we're gonna make so we'll much money. We'll have a money. chess match on Friday. We'll have a football game at 11 a.m. Saturday morning. Let's do this.
0: Listen, listen, man. I've got three cousins that go to Northwestern. I've got an aunt who's a professor at Kellogg School of Business there. They they have no problem with with being being considered nerds because they're yeah. they're making bank like they are they're incredibly smart. I just
1: there. remember so. watching that Northwestern Duke game last year with Daniel Jones just running up and down the field on that team. Oh my god! Uh, especially when I had money on them. So is that
0: know, Daniel care. Jones the guy who was seventh in the ACC in quarterback rating? Moving on. Anyways, bringing it back to South Carolina. So South Carolina, let's say that even if it doesn't have the most difficult right. schedule, it is still a difficult s- schedule nonetheless. That's what worries me about this Will Muschamp thing. Are we going to preemptively see? Because like we saw with Coach O last year, where everybody's talking about that schedule and it's like, oh man, this guy's not going to be able to handle this this gauntlet. Are we going to start to see that with Will Muschamp? There's already people that are are kind of doubting him entering year four. And I get there's some symmetry there because he phased out after four years at Florida. But there are some things here that are not good, and there are some, some, some things that the pro-Mushchamp crowd is going to throw out there. The anti-Mushchamp argument is, well, he's lost 10 straight games against ranked opponents, dating back to October 2016 against Tennessee. Uh, the Bush, intern Butch Jones led yes. Tennessee Vols, who you know were awful down the stretch. A lot of discussion about Mushchamp's future seems to ignore the fact that he actually just got a one-year extension at the end of this past season, and his coordinators got a pretty hefty pay raise. He's now got two coordinators that are making a million per, um, and that's you know Brian McClendon got a three hundred fifty thousand dollar raise right. <laughs> after the year that was for South Carolina. And I think a lot of people also forget we talk about this. We have talked about this a lot with SEC basketball and how if you got a new AD coming in, like it's it, it, your your clock is ticking to be able to win some games. Ray Tanner is the one who hired Will Muschamp, so. To think that he's just going to fire him like after a six seven win season, I tend to not be on board with that. Right. However, I understand where South Carolina fans are, and they're feeling like they're maybe in this this SEC purgatory, where it's almost like the team that, um, like in the NBA, how you either need to be tanking or you need to be winning titles. Yeah. They're they're that team that just like can't quit, get that high enough draft pick to be able to like get into the front end of the lottery or something like that. And there are a lot of people wondering if mustchamp has taken them as far as they can go. So
1: when you say the phrase again, they're in, in SEC purgatory. SEC Do you purgatory. know why it feels like that? Because they are. The non. Yeah. They are. And Carolina fans, I don't want you to get upset when I say this, and, I, and I, I don't mean this in a rude way at all, because outside of that one game in September that hopefully I'll be at in Columbia at the fairgrounds tailgating for the Bama game, so sweaty. I'm, but Randy. It, oh God, oh, hottest place. You on
0: better bring like four shirts.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's not enough dry fit in the world <laughs> to keep me keep me clean that day. Um, no, but like, I, I just I, I I will pull for him. Again, like I've said a bazillion times. Family lives there. Sister goes there. Um, I, I want the best for South Carolina. I have a lot of friends that are South Carolina fans, and, and and you know they're they're as passionate as they can be. But you know, if you talk to a South Carolina fan, I feel like one of their points of pride is is a fan base is that season that Lou Holtz was there, they went 0-11 and they sold out every single game, all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. It's a great fan base. And I, I don't want them to accept where they're at necessarily, but at the same time, like, what are your expectations? This is a program it's that tough. has five total, five total seasons with 10 or more wins. And I believe three of those were under, under Spurrier. And, you know, I'm not, again, don't want to say this like in a derogatory way or anything like that, but like, or, or condescending, but like... You kind of lucked into Spurrier. He kind of fell into your lap after he would have been, in my opinion, like a Bear Bryant type level coach if he would have stayed at Florida and not gone to Washington and tried the NFL and all that kind of stuff. You really lucked into having a great, great couple of seasons with him, where you had not just him being a great coach, but you also had Marshawn Lattimore as like one of the number one or Marcus was it Marcus Lattimore? I say Marshawn. Marcus Lattimore. Yeah, Marshawn's the Ohio State. Okay, yeah. 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 So Marcus Lattimore, where he's the number one running back in the country, and he just happens to be from South Carolina. And then, uh-oh, you have Jadevian Clowney right after that, who's the number one overall player in the country, maybe the, like, one of the highest recruits in the history of the recruiting services. He's also from South Carolina, stays at home. You get Alshon Jeffrey. You have these like you know generational-type guys that are all there at the same time. I don't see that happening where people are, are, are kind of walking through that door as they were at, the, at that point in the same program. Now, their, their, their recruiting classes have been great. Um, you know, I think Helsinki... It's gonna be really, really good. That's why I thought that. <laughs> Helsinki and, and Justin Harebear. I think they're like, you know, the same kind of quality player. No, but I am even serious. and they're putting enough of effort from like an administration standpoint where they're building all these new amenities and stuff like that. Like they've got a damn barbershop, And you man. can also record a rap album. Or a country album, I don't know. Probably a rap album though. In in like the locker room. On road, do both. Exactly. So like I love the commitment they're having to the coach and to the facilities and but I just wonder When people say, like, is this as high as he can take him? Yeah. Like, I think that's his ceiling as a coach is around nine wins. Like, he's not going to out. Will Muschamp, no offense, guys, is not going to out-coach Kirby Smart. He's not going to out-coach Nick Saban. And I just, I wonder, like, where the expectation level is for their fan base right now and also maybe where it should be.
0: That's the tough thing about this South Carolina situation is that, as fans, we're told you should not accept mediocrity. Right. And when you're a South Carolina fan and you look to the west and you see Georgia doing what it's doing, and then you look to the northwest and you see Clemson doing what it's doing, and you're just surrounded by these two teams that are easily the top in the top three for programs in college football right now, and you're seeing these new facilities go up, and you're like, what in the world do we have to do? Yeah. And is this is this as good as it's going to get? And I think that that's a dangerous place for a coach to be. But having said that, there are a lot of things that
1: the sirens
0: coming in right
1: in the middle of this just feels like it's like a we've added it to the like to the actual broadcast. Bite, yeah. and be like, yeah, here we go, hot take alert. Here it comes. <laughs> like, no, somebody's robbing something again in my neighborhood.
0: I I get both sides of the coin with Muschamp because there is the other side of the coin, which is as we've talked about before. 3-9 team when Spurrier had that disastrous 2015 right. year where he leaves in the middle of the season. And then Muschamp becomes the first coach in South Carolina history to start off his career with three straight bowl appearances. Right. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. So the, the standard, obviously, is not the same that it is at Clemson and at Georgia. And I understand that there have been times during those rivalries where South Carolina has had the better hand. And, you know, in the early part of this decade, you're feeling pretty good. And it's tough to get back to this place now where – Man, that game last year against Georgia, where all those South Carolina fans are so fired up about that, and it was just the ultimate like wind out of the sails, smack back and to the Alabama game. How many times have we seen it?
1: I, I mean, I we remember, I remember like in the early 2000s. Like, this is a very dated reference, but I remember a, a good buddy of mine, George Simpson, who was a big Florida fan, and they did the blackout. They did the blackout for the Florida game you know, like, that Saturday night, and everyone's pumped, and they got beat, like, 51 to, like, 14 or something crazy. And, like, you know, and that's, again, like, a dated reference, but it feels like how many times does a win have to be taken out of their sails? And I wonder, I guess, like, as, like, for the program, like, what you brought up, like, his must champs record against ranked teams. Clemson's not going anywhere. Georgia's not going anywhere. These are teams that are not only... They have to compete against every year. They're ascending as well to being like national powers. And what worries me from a South Carolina standpoint is I understand that like the Kentucky thing seems like a little bit odd that you've lost oh, five brutal. years in row to them. It's awful but to when have you
0: also, on your resume.
1: Like from the pessimistic standpoint of that, where you're like, you know, because you look at the schedule, you're like, all right, we should not lose to Kentucky, which you've said again for like the last four years in a row. Um, but you probably shouldn't be Miss or uh, Missouri last year, and the year before, going into the twenty eighteen season, so like I guess twenty seventeen season, they had won six games by a touchdown or less, which doesn't happen a lot. And when you really look at like, yeah, he Muschamp has has, has done well. And I think he's exceeded expectations coming off of what Spurrier did, and and you can blame it off the Spurrier thing if you want to. But you also need to look at it and be honest with yourselves. Like the time he's been able to do that, the three straight seasons of the bowl games, it, this has been and historically speaking. The lowest point of the SEC East, where Tennessee's down, Florida's down, and, and you've probably been able to capitalize off that a little bit.
0: I think the tough thing with Mustchamp is that he hasn't had this, this big hurrah moment. Yeah. I think Coach O last year, Coach O getting that win against Georgia, just said to the world, like, and it stood up for the rest of the season, where you look back on a game like that, and Coach O has obviously been much, much better against top 25 right. opponents than Will Mustchamp and this has been the thing that has plagued Will Muschamp. Since he had that Sugar Bowl appearance at Florida in 2012, he is 2-17 and 17 against ranked opponents. He's lost 10 straight against ranked opponents. You need to have that game where you're just like, and, and I know people thought it was the Outback Bowl against Michigan. Michigan was in the toilet. Yeah. Going into that game, that quarterback situation was a disaster, and you're and not to take away because that's still right. you know an impressive an impressive win, and you know you get that that ninth victory, and everybody's feeling good going into the offseason that fueled the buzz going into 2018. True, but if you're Must Champ, you need to look at the schedule and say like. Two of these games would be huge for me. Not just yes. I'm not talking about just surviving 2019. I'm just talking about getting the fan base to think that we can overcome this mediocre hurdle yep. and get past this level that everybody perceives us at because that's that's the the national view of South Carolina right now is this team that's like going to be second fiddle to Clemson. They're going to be second fiddle to Georgia and as long as they're in this spot, it's tough to really kind of get this this hype going when you just don't have those tangible moments.
1: No, you're right, and, and and I'd say to take that step further, and and again, like I I don't want to pile on to say like you know you guys will never reach this level as a program because that that's not fair. But what worries me again is when you talk about like when I said he must not going to outcoach coach Saban. He's not going to outcoach coach Smart. Is he going to out recruit him? And last year was a great recruiting class. It was an yes. absolutely great recruiting class. Um, and I think, you know, if he can continue that, because if you look at the in-state recruiting, obviously this year's different. Clemson is dominating recruiting, like, currently for the 2020 class, but last year in the state of South Carolina, which is not known for, you know, I think they only had six total players that were four-star better in the state last year, and I think South Carolina got five of them, um, and I, I think they, and they beat out Clemson for most of them because Clemson was more of, like, a national recruiting skill, but, like, what worries me is, like, if, if he does have that moment, like, where he beats a team that he shouldn't beat like you know that like that one moment he can put, hang his hat on if he beats Kentucky is that the moment this year because like that's a pretty big you know notch on the belt considering like where they've been the past few years but will the fans really respect that as much
0: it'll be more of a punchline than anything which I think that, at sucks. That, point. Which, that sucks which it does it does it's the game that you're not going to get much if you win and you can't lose and yeah year. that's that it's that is Peach how Bowl. the fan base feels yeah right How much is Will Muschamp's future tied to the success of Ryan Helensky? That's the actual. That's yeah.
1: Well, and I I see, but like this is one of those guys too. It's like he should be there. Like he should not be in the hot seat, in my opinion, because like, like to circle back to like I think he's taking your program. He's exceeding expectations for where your program's at. Like maybe we just need to keep the actual like real like you know expectations that the fan base has in in check a little bit. You know what I mean? Tough to do. Yeah, it is really tough to do. Tough to but do. I, I think I think you're right. Like it, it is going to be tied to Helsinki, <laughs> <laughs> Trollsinki,
0: Um, Let's go. So Will Champ in these rankings that came out these SEC and ACC football coach rankings oh from the Post and Courier's Gene Sepikoff. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Whack-a, You've all seen his, You've all seen his pictures by now. Um, Man. He went on Feinbaum and dropped this list combining ACC and SEC coaches. Oh my! So I want to start by saying this: one, maybe we should have gone
1: down that road with the South Carolina thing, since the only angry fan that we've had has been a South Carolina fan. Now that I think about it. Um, on top of that, this guy—I saw this before it we went on Feinbaum, and we've made, we've said things on here that aren't smart. Me especially. Me especially. Um, Me especially
0: too. It's on, fair let's to, let's either not way. Dismiss my awful takes. But
1: regardless, like this was this was mind-blowingly bad, and I can already tell my voice is going to get high-pitched and angry um, just from the opening. So the Gene Sapakoff thing, <laughs> like we'll just we won't spend too much time on it. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it, Connor. Of like what was the worst? Like I, I put three of them out last night. Like they were the worst takes from this whole thing. And if you go over his rankings, he had Dabo at one, Saban at two. Sure. Um no, even that. No, let's e- let's not do that. E- well, but, but we're gonna have to get through like we're to have to get through this. Yeah, you're right. So right. then he has Dan Mullen at three. Alright, so it's it's both SEC and AC coaches combined. Then Kirby, then Jimbo, then Gus Malzahn at six. Okay, so five of the top six are from the SEC. Then he has Dave Clawson at seven from Wake Forest, Dave Doran from NC State, Fire Take. Pat Narduzzi from, oh, from Pitt at nine. <laughs> Seven through
0: ten is an absolute. It's joke. ridiculous. Seven through ten gets me da- boiling.
1: David Cutcliffe from Duke. Then he has Mark Stoops at eleven. Dino Babers, who, in my opinion, should Babershire. have been top ten. Babers, sure, uh, Helsinki. That he he's twelfth <laughs> on here. I I think he should have easily been top ten. Bronco Mendenhall, thirteen. Will Muschamp at fourteen. All right. Uh, Barry Odom, fifteen. Ed Orgeron, sixteen. And then, ridiculous. then we get into the good stuff. Steve Adazio from Boston College, 17, Joe Moorhead, 18, Scott Satterfield, who's the head coach at Louisville now and was the head coach at App State, and this is where I lost my GD mind, <laughs> Manny Diaz at 20. And Wait,
0: that's is that the same Manny Diaz who has never been a head coach before? Never. Been, it, I'm never glad you brought it 20. up, Connor. Never oh, okay. been a head Just coach.
1: Sure. Never been a head Hell of a recruiter. Also, I'm pretty sure he stole a yacht last week. Regardless, so...
0: So he ranks. Let me let me just get this straight. So he ranked Manny Diaz ahead of Mac Brown, the guy who has won a national champion.
1: And, and we're not going to get into his write up for each one because one, he brought up Pat Narduzzi and compared it to the, the, the I don't know sing off round in the Voice oh, or some gosh. the battle round. He said the battle round. He's like obviously the ACC whatever division he's in isn't the oh same as the, as the battle round of the Voice. And I'm like, did you just, sir? Like like if you had to Google how can I have even less credibility as I go on through this this uh, article he would have nailed it Justin Fuente 21 from Virginia Tech pretty sure he had 10 wins like, <laughs> like two seasons ago Derek Mason 22nd and then Mac Brown like so in the bio he wrote for Manny Diaz has coached under and then listed off all the people he's coached under Mac Brown was listed and then Mac Brown's at 23 Jeremy Pruitt 24 Chad Morris 25. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, 26, who was also the coach at Temple. Matt Luke, 27, and then oh. Willie Taggart. Like, if there was one way also to circle back and get everyone kind of back on board, he did, He nailed it with, with 28. He did. That's that was the smart. only saving
0: grace of this whole thing. Yeah.
1: So what, like, what what did stood out to you as the most absurd, ridiculous, and I'll just say <sighs> it, stupid part of this absurd
0: ranking? I hate to go all white girl basic <laughs> basic white girl whatever you want to call it yeah it's not but the first I, one. I i just i just can't i just can't i can't even i i can't and i know i part of the one of the things that is I know you're going to find this surprising, but like one of the things that actually is like difficult about my job is coming up with these rankings, which I have to do a lot. And I came up with a list of backup quarterbacks. <laughs> We're not talking about it. We're not talking about it today, not because I'm not proud of it, but because there are a billion different ways that you can go with it, and there are a million arguments to make. And I don't even feel that good about my arguments because, That's to be, to honesty, be 100% I honest, love that. It's, it's backup quarterbacks, and yeah. there's such a small sample size. But coming up with a ranking, a coach ranking like this, that is just so all over the place. Is so fundamentally wrong. Yeah, the, the, like you can have your own opinion. Your opinion could be wrong. This Gene Sapikoff's opinion is just wrong to think it's that. Not even close. To think that Dave Clawson is the number seven coach among ACC and SEC football coaches, oh, and number two overall in the ACC. Number two overall in the ACC. Oh, okay, okay, sure, sure. You want you want to go that route? You want to have Bronco Bronco Mendenhall because he won some games at BYU? Like, uh, all right, whatever. You want to pretend that Dave. Dave Dave Cutcliffe has had th- more than three nine-win seasons in 16 years as a head coach. Whatever. Be my guess. You want to pretend that Pat Marduzzi, Pat Marduzzi has done anything except win, like, one game a year that he's not supposed to? Whatever. Be my guess. Pretend like that guy didn't just get an extension for winning, like, six games. Right. Whatever. I, but this—I I just can't. I just—I'm not I'm even—it's not even it's not Well,
1: even what was so it. frustrating about this whole thing was, like, when I first read it, I was like, okay, Dabo 1, Saban 2, sure, um— And the reasoning he had on is like, well, you know, was younger, the recruiting he's doing right now. Awesome. All right. Um, Then he put Mullen at three, and I was like, hold the phone. Because in his entire nine-year existence at Mississippi State, Mullen never came close, really, to beating Saban. We came close, like, once. Um, And then Kirby, who just dominated him, not only in recruiting, but also on the field— He's behind him. (laughs) But so that's that's... but like I kept looking, I was like, all right, Dave Clawson, Dave Doran, Pat Narduzzi. So he's obviously he's obviously weighting this whole scale of like, you know what? These coaches have done a much better job at smaller schools, which are more difficult jobs to like to, you know, be relevant, nationally relevant, have Wake Forest, you know, go to a bowl game. I I think they actually probably beat AM a couple years ago. I don't I don't remember. It was a really high scoring game. But like that must be how he's weighing the scale. And then you keep going through, and you're like, hold on. Why is Mark Stoops behind all of them, for oh, one? Gosh. why? And why is Derek Mason 22nd? And, and then you look at the very bottom of it, and you're like, all right, Matt Luke, Jeff Collins, Chad Moore, Sharon Pruitt. Oh, that one sticks out. Mac Brown, the guy who won a national title. <laughs> like, he's he's 23rd. I just, the whole thing was so dumb. And I I know, we, right as of right now, today, we have 109 days until kickoff. And I hope it's not how we have to spend our entire offseason. But I was just so blown away that this person like I'm I'm a year into my my I'll call it dream job of what I get to do talking sports every day. But my God,
0: how did this person
1: have this job for such a long time? This is incredibly bad. Ugh.
0: It's almost one of those things that, like, uh, the tweet of New York has the best barbecue. And yeah, it's, it's like there. at that level, Connor. It's, it's at this level where it's, you're like, okay, no, you, you definitely meant to, to say that this was that bad.
1: And I do want okay. to say one last thing because I know we don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but my favorite comment was from Rapid City Gator. Shout out to Rapid City Gator, who, who's a Florida fan, and I love self-awareness. And this is what he said. He said, Mullen at three is ridiculous. He wasn't even our number three choice of coach when we when the job opened up last Whoa. year. I'm a huge Mullen fan, but pump the brakes. Let him get a recruiting class above or beat Kirby before he's ahead of him. That's
0: uh, Okay, that's, that's fair. And now yeah, he has that's... this
1: guy's job, so this is perfect.
0: Speaking of Mullen and Kirby, the Florida-Georgia... Offseason rivalry. I say off season because oh. it has taken a different tone. We've talked about this a little bit before. And we've talked about, you know, the, the twenty twenty quarterbacker who uh Carson Beck, I believe his name was, <laughs> uh, who basically used Florida to get a UGA offer. Yep. Um and so Mullen, you know, trolling trolling Georgia with the spring game attendance and then Florida fans last week, they took that troll game to a new level. Oh my God. The 14,000 tweets, because it had been what, 14,000 days since Georgia had won a national championship? Don't act like
1: you don't know what it was.
0: Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> I knew what it was, so let's be honest. Um, to, to have that thrown out there, yeah, I mean, that's – Okay, that's that's kind of taken it to a different level. And then the little you know, little jab back that Georgia gave was you know Kirby taking a picture with this this guy at the chief at uh, the the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Um, shout out to our good friend Gary Stokin. Yeah. Um, doing the the golf tournament, the coach's golf tournament, and Kirby took a picture with this guy, and he had his putter on a Florida hat. So that's like Georgia's version of trolling. Apparently, and that all was weak. This, um, yeah,
1: it was not
0: kind of kind of weak. Mullen came on a little bit stronger, but like. We we need this. This is great. This Please so keep this up. <laughs> I, I do want to say like from a Florida
1: standpoint, this was awesome that they they orchestrated this whole thing. But what was amazing was like like because we I've brought this up for for over at least one month now. Like it's I think it's been like probably two months ago. And I was like, man, these Florida and Georgia tweets they just have no chill. Like they are just nonstop, um, and it's great. This is what helps get us to the offseason, like you're saying. But like but in the Mullen thing. It's funny, like it. It was great for social media. It's great for college football. I think in general. But but what was <laughs> when we talk about the, the self awareness from the last last guy? This Gators college basketball tweeted at us It said, "Imagine talking small rival smack talk." Or t- I'm sorry, imagine taking small rival smack talk that serious. Georgia fans are the most insecure jokes of people on the planet. Oof. So which I had to respond. I was like, dude, y'all orchestrated an entire day of hashtags. Across like multiple
0: multiple social media platforms, gosh, there are so many people throwing out the fourteen thousand. So many.
1: It was it was really I, I was good. Amazed. It was really good. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for the rest of the offices. I can't wait to they actually play. I tell you what, if I'm Mullen, and I'm not trying to talk a lot of smack to Florida fans here because I don't want you in my mentions because the entire SEC East Twitter is out of control. Out of out of control. Like we think about this, we're not even talking about Vol Twitter being like the most aggressive of the bunch here. That's a good point. A, that's, that's absurd. A point. <laughs> that's absurd. <laughs> but, like, but, like, like, if I'm Mullen, if I'm mulling, I am taking it easy uh, for the rest of the offseason and I'm talking trash to Georgia because Kirby's not going to forget and they are going to be really good this year.
0: <laughs> I think the damage has been done. And I get why why they're doing it. Yeah. And a lot of people are, you know, and Georgia fans, I, I understand, you know, I'd be upset, too, if a fan base – that just got smacked by my team two years in a row was talking trash to me like about national championship stuff. Yes. When, you know, <laughs> their team, it's it's like it's been a decade. Like we can, you know, it's we can't keep throwing this out there. Um, I I, I totally get it from the Florida standpoint, though, of wanting to look like you're on Georgia's level. And from Moen's standpoint, it's wanting this, wanting to one, get the support of the fan base, because as we're gonna talk about with McIlwain. It actually kinda matters public perception. It isn't just winning games. Yeah. You sort of need to be able to have a fan base rally around you and this is an atypical route to go there. Yeah, but they because, but they're loving
1: it. Like
0: But they love it. And it's
1: it's hats off to Mullen for being able to rally those troops because as we're gonna talk about here shortly with Jim McElwain, that was the polar opposite of what he was able to do and where you had like most of them just so divided and hated him. Um I, I just think it's like one of those things where like you ever seen like like a sitcom, or whatever, when it's like you know, like your dad is is like challenging his son to basketball, and he's like kind of ribbing him, talking trash, and like the son's like, "Hold on, Dad, I can dunk now." Like, stop, stop! <laughs> like, I'm, I'm gonna posterize you if you don't stop. Like, that's what, that's kind of what it's like turned into. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is it is good for the off season, and it's it is good that like the Florida fans can rally around it. I just, I when you talk about the fourteen thousand thing, <laughs> when like I I remember tweeting something about it, I was like. Imagine losing to your rival by fifty-four points, like combined, like two years in a row, and talking this much trash, and it, like without hesitation, as soon as I got back on Twitter, there were several people that was like fourteen thousand to one, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not even a Georgia fan. Stop.
0: Oh man, it's great. Uh, I'm here for it all off season. We we cannot get enough of it. Off season content. There's this is maybe the most. Okay, no, I take that back. The office episode bracket was the most off season thing that we've done so far, but the two-year anniversary of Jim McElwain. This is the best. We get into this with Neil, with Morgan, about just the way that this whole thing kind of unfolded. And it wasn't, you know, and I don't want it. like, we didn't do this to, to say, oh, we're like, you know, because we got into some stuff about how McElwain talked about, do you really think I'm that fat? And this <laughs> is, we're trying, we're not trying to weight shame anybody or, or anything like that. Like, obviously, mental health, big deal. We're not trying to look over that. Right. And we're, at the same time, like, it's also amazing to think that a story like this in the 21st century, in this era of Twitter, spiraled into what it became, and it became just this perfect microcosm for McElwain not being ready for the Florida job and ultimately f- flaming out at Florida. So that's, that's kind of why we wanted to, to, to talk about this subject and to take a little trip down memory lane, because we can laugh about it, right? I, I know I can. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we definitely did that. Um, so without further ado, here is Neil and Morgan. Morgan, you're a Florida grad, and I know that you know the McElwain shark photo story very, very well. Uh, first question, <laughs> did you celebrate the two-year anniversary over the weekend, which was coincidentally enough on Marlar's birthday?
2: Um, I did not, only because like, I weirdly did not realize it was two years. It feels like a lot longer than that. Um, so now I did not celebrate, but yes, I remember that very fondly unfortunately uh, not a not a good look for for the Florida program but um, at that point I'd been saying that for multiple years now so
0: okay probably the more important question how long did you actually believe that McElwain was the guy in the photo
2: <laughs> I mean just judging by that photo I assumed it wasn't him but like every time you would look at it you would be like Holy crap! Like that really, really looks like him. And Get lost I feel in like the eyes. guy, like whoever the like New York City policeman, I think, came out and said it was him. Um, like the guy was like a little bit heavier than McElwain, but like still just like from the side and like the way his hair swooped, it was like wow! Like that really looks like him. But like my my gut was telling me, I, I hope that's probably not McElwain. So not, I I didn't really like believe it was maybe like initially I believed it. So other than that, I I was rational about it.
0: How long did you believe that it was McElwain in the photo? One week. (laughs) week. (laughs) So matter of fact, that's great. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So I asked that because when the story broke, I mean McIlwain's coming off a pair of division titles in his first two seasons. And it's but, you know, at the same time, it's not like Florida was at these urban mire levels. Everybody kinda saw that, you know, Florida had a lot of room to grow and it wasn't like they were all of a sudden back at that elite level. Just before, you know, this story breaks, can you kind of take us back to how the fan base really felt about McAwain before all this kind of broke the internet?
3: So, yeah, I mean I think that, I think that the beginning of the end for McElwain was earlier. But I think what's interesting is, is that McElwain, McElwain blows out number three Ole this in the Swamp at night, year one, and Will Greer looks like a guy that's going to be an All American down the road, uh, and you know Florida kind of played to the DB. You can debate if it's LSU or if it's FSU or who, if it's Alabama. But for the play to the DBU moniker against Swag Kelly and like just Ole Miss never had a chance in that game. Um and uh I think that the everybody's ready to embrace him. They go on the road, they beat Missouri, which we all know uh, in Gainesville doesn't happen very often the next week. <laughs> and and suddenly, you know, it kind of looks like a really special season in the making, and then the the hammer drops on Greer. And, you know, we've spent years kind of reading process stories about that. But I think from that moment, from the Wilgers dismissed because he's the PD, uh, he's got to sit a year, and then all of a sudden Wilgers transferring in the off season, I think that's when people started to be pretty skeptical of McIlwain, and then I think Florida fans, you know, soured even more towards the end of that second year when, when Florida really Got embarrassed in the SEC championship game. Was was embarrassed by Florida State, and then they win a bowl game. Um, and McIlwain you know, challenges the administration in the post game <laughs> interview. Like, he did not even wait till the press conference. He's like, "We won the Outback Bowl. Look how awesome that is!" And like, talk about a disconnect between where a fan base expects to be and the coach. That was it. Like celebrating an Outback Bowl win on the field as if he'd just won a championship of some sort that mattered. And then challenging his administration to give him a commitment because he'd won an Outback Bowl was kind of an I-don't-get-it moment. And then months later we get, uh, you know, what we thought was Jim McElhin and a shark on a boat.
0: I think we all just wanted to believe it was it was McIlwain, and when everybody like the first Twitter comment came out, and I can't remember who who <laughs> identified it because it wasn't like a Florida fan just threw this tweet out there, and that's how it spread. Like it spread because <laughs> somebody was trying to find like, hey, who's killing these <laughs> sharks? Like, why, why would someone right. do this? Uh, so at the time when the story broke, though, like McIlwain is coming off the the pair division titles in his first two years. But but it's not like Florida is at these Urban Meyer-like levels. I mean, there were mm-hmm. obviously some cracks in the foundation there. Take us back to just sort of how the fan base felt about McIlwain before all this stuff happened.
2: Yeah, it's funny because at least how I felt, and, and I think the majority of the fan base, it really wasn't that great of a fit. Um, obviously on paper, you know, he's working with Nick Saban, He's worked with guys like A.J. McCarron and Trent Richardson, you know, quality offensive mind. He's done some good things at Colorado State. The hire, I guess, on paper made sense, but, like, from a cultural standpoint, it was just, like, never really a good relationship. And I think a lot of times, like, at least my big takeaways was, like, after losing a big game or something like that, he would – just kind of play it off and, and kind of fall back on how much he had been winning as opposed to Will Muschamp. So I, I just didn't really like like that. I don't think it was like a positive relationship. It was, yes, you know, it's good to see Florida winning again, but you could tell that there were still so many different issues going on during games. Like they almost lost to Vanderbilt one year a year later, they almost lost to FAU at home. Like, it was, I mean, they were winning, but it wasn't an overall great feeling.
1: No, yeah, we're, we're going to talk a lot about Coach Mack, and not in a great light. And I think we could all agree, he showed a lot of swag uh, and, and, you know, just charisma in those belt commercials. But besides that, I feel like there were rumblings of Coach Mack not being the most charismatic or outgoing with the fan base. Before this happened, like, you know, to speak to your point and piggybacking up the last question, was this kind of like the tip of the iceberg, or was this the iceberg that sunk the Coach Mack ship? I think it was. I think it was the
3: iceberg with maybe the the Outback post game interview it was like the tip. Okay. Um, and then just the the willed refusal to do booster events really after that Outback Bowl, like you know he's on these belt commercials, he's making his own barbecue sauce. Um. <laughs> but <laughs> but what a sudden yeah, I mean, look it up. And anybody sends, he sends, you know, his assistants to to do all these in-state booster events. And it's like boosters are like, hey man, we'd really like to talk to the, the head coach about why we've lost twenty-seven to two and thirty-one fifteen and not scored an offensive touchdown against Florida State. Maybe he could come to the booster event and explain that to everybody. And you know, he doesn't. He just says, "Well, I'm two zero against Georgia, and when's the administration going to give me an administrative commitment?" Like that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily work when you're losing the SEC title game by 60 points or whatever it was, 40.
1: Wait, real quick, Connor, wasn't he also selling the barbecue sauce at the stadium? Like, wasn't it like involved in the actual um, concessions?
0: I'm just going to say yes and hope that that's true.
3: It's true that for
1: about be.
3: three weeks. It was a three week. Cause see, yeah, I mean, you're getting into the third season. So they, they start, peddling the McElwain barbecue sauce before about the third game and by game six, you know, we got just, the whole thing is on
0: fire. I mean, is that, are you saying like the, the barbecue sauce was really spicy or like the whole situation was just really bad? The,
3: well, I mean the program, look, everything, cause you guys kind of nailed, everything goes downhill from, from the shark photograph, right? I mean, you get, you got, except for the first day of media days, basically they show up at media days.
2: And actually when he, when he was asked about it at sec media days, I was there in Hoover, um, like in the back of the ballroom. And I just started like dying laughing because I was like, wait, like he's he's still upset about this. And at the time it was, like two and a half months later. And God bless whoever asked him that question in July at SEC media days. Like he's going on TV asking this question. Um, and then he just goes off about how like it attacked his family and attacked the university. And then he's saying like, well, you know, I can chop it up with the best of them. And then he's like getting <laughs> physically upset on the podium. And it's like, okay, really? Like, I don't think you can. it was just, like, really bizarre, like, the whole thing. And it was just, like, dude, like, just laugh it off. Like, especially at that point because it was so much later. Like, you can just kind of play it cool or or just, like, avoid the question. But to make it, like, super personal was hilarious and, like, embarrassing at the same time.
3: Basically, they show up at Media Days and McElhain tells Feinbaum, we're going to beat the heck out of Michigan um, on the air. And then they go home. And Marcel Harris is, um, you know, the LSEC safety is like walking to class and trips in a ditch and rips his Achilles tendon. Uh, And then just everything from there spirals. Uh, You get the credit card nine and, you know, Jordan Scarlett, the last blow right before the Michigan game, like they're putting in the game plan when he gets suspended. Uh, The choice to start Franks in that in that game, and just kind of down the line from there, just everything that could, could go wrong goes wrong, and I think McElwain never understood, you know, because he's a Western kind of guy, and and he had been insulated by the way that Saban operates at Alabama, just didn't understand the Florida job when he took it, and certainly didn't understand what happened in Florida when things are going badly, so then we get death threats after the the really embarrassing loss to Texas A&M at home, but, you know, to which that's still one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in college football. Is is he says our players are getting death threats, and instead of even investigating it for very long, the U.S. athletic director issues his own statement that's like, yeah, that's not true.
0: I remember looking up, and I, I don't really remember seeing this video, but I, I'm sure it surfaced, and I, I'm sure it made the rounds, and it's probably on our site, it's probably on your site. But there was a video that Edgar Thompson of the Orlando Sentinel. Um, it was it was up on, on I think I can't remember who like how it got out there, but he's interviewing Mac like three days after this shark story breaks. And in this this interview, Mac answers the question and it's almost like a how dare you ask me that. Like how dare you ask sit here and ask me a question like how how could you assume this is me? And he's clearly, like, still very <laughs> fired up, very embarrassed about the whole thing. And I, I'm not sure if you remember that video or seeing that video where he's, like, sitting in his office answering these questions, but uh, do, do you have any reaction? Do, do you remember having any reaction to that whole thing and just, like, how bad of a look that was for him at the time?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I know Edgar Thompson personally, and he's a great dude. And, I mean, I probably would have been, like, that's obviously not you, right? Like, um, so, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I just think regardless of how you would have asked McElwain, like, anything about that, he probably would have reacted the same way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just, like, again, like, it was just – he took it really, really personally and seriously. And, like, I feel like most head coaches – Probably don't know a single thing about Twitter and social media aside from like Lane Kiffin, you know, the pros like that.
3: I just thought if he really felt, you know, because he had, he did, that was his go to line was, well, we've won these twice in a row. We're doing pretty good, aren't we? And like, you know, isn't that cool? Isn't it neat? And, you know, I thought if that's going to be your, your moniker, then you just got to laugh this kind of joke off. And be like, you know, okay, whatever. Well, we're just worried about getting back to Atlanta or something along those lines. And it was so hyper defensive that you could tell that already, even though they had the two East titles, like you guys said, it Soft East, um, you could just tell the pressure was was getting to him. You know, and and that was kind of a sign that, wow, man, does this guy even really want to be at Florida? And I think that's the question that a lot of the people that cover the Florida program that we were asking in year three before the death threats thing was it's just so he just seems so disinterested at times
1: yeah guys we're so we're joined by neil again uh from our jim McElwain great white barbecue sauce uh segment here (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) it'll attack your taste buds um so neil in your in your entire career and you kind of alluded to this was there any other moment that was even remotely close to being as hilarious and or uncomfortable as the shark incident None. Not it there's nothing okay. nothing really compares to it. In terms
3: of discomfort and weirdness and why in the world would you react
0: that way? No, there's not anything close. So at SEC Media Days, you alluded to this earlier, but where McElwain is having the conversation with Feinbaum where he comes out and he you know he talks about we're gonna beat the heck out of Michigan, whatever it was, and McElwain is Still also answering questions about the photo and he's still clearly angry about it, but he takes it a step further and not just to say that it's not him, but he's saying that now since we've had a couple of months to sort of dissect this, he's saying that the photo attacked the university and it attacked his family. He says he can take a joke, but clearly like it it doesn't look like that. We've we've established that there's no way that this guy can, can take a joke. In that moment, how bad of a look is that just for a coach at a Power 5 program to clearly still be upset about something that should be way beneath him?
3: Oh, I mean, it was, it, it, you know, the only word that really comes to mind is, is embarrassing. So, you know, you have that embarrassment at SEC media days. You're about to have bigger embarrassments down the line, right? As we we've discussed, uh, you had the embarrassment against Michigan. And then you have the embarrassment of death threats, and then the you know cherry on top of the sundae is you uh, get beat like you haven't been beaten in thirty years by Georgia. Uh, so I mean, I just think from the shark photo, and he's really not even the photo. From the reaction to the shark photo, on it's just how many ways can I embarrass myself to, you know? And there were people that were so cynical they were like, "Did he
0: just do all of this so he didn't have to coach in Florida?" Want that job. wow that's <laughs> fascinating I remember so we had um our good buddy sick Rag, Luke Del Rio um we had him on when we had him on the podcast like back in September or something like that he told us the story about how after he saw it and everybody on the team saw it he went up to Mac and was basically like is that you and McElwain's <laughs> response was do you really think I'm that fat <laughs> and so, like, at, at SEC Media Days, you know, Martez Ivy. you know, it's two and a half months after the fact, and Martez <laughs> Ivy's like, we all knew it wasn't Mac because he's not as fat as the dude in the photo. <laughs> so my theory on this is that, like, this this always, Mac should have always been able to, to laugh this off because he was winning games and coaching at a premier program. And, like, there's a certain amount of confidence that you should just have as a human being when you get to that point. <laughs> and the fact that, like, He's worried about pe- how fat people, like how fat people think he is, or something like that. At this juncture of his career, just says a lot about his personality and just like who he is. And you talked about not being ready for the job. Is that kind of a fair assessment of this insecurity coming out in the weirdest possible way?
2: Maybe that's that's a really interesting theory. I feel like like I'm trying to. <laughs> put myself in his shoes like what I would say if someone was like was that you like I I guess if I was like shaped like McElwain I might fall back on you know I'm not that heavy or anything like that what does that mean um, I mean what's that
1: what does that mean Morgan shaped like McElwain
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know just a a little bit extra love in the middle that's all (laughs) good way to put it Um, yeah, like, I mean, I just can't even imagine, like, like, seriously justifying that instead of just laughing it off, especially, like, internally within your program. But I guess he didn't, so there you go.
1: I mean, Morgan, you're a professional. If you had to guess from the picture, how much less did Coach Mack weigh than the shark pick perpetrator and or the shark (laughs) itself?
2: Well, I can't say that I study Jim McElwain's weight all that much but I mean I would guess like I don't know 25 30 pounds I don't really know like I'm not a good like weight guesser but that would maybe be mine oh my
0: gosh okay so you're a lawyer little little background peel behind the onion for you um is there any slander or defamation here there's there's none of that here right no, because it's clearly, I mean, it was. it's clearly something
3: that he can rebut, so, uh, and it's clearly, it's clearly... Great choice of words. It's great, great choice of it's words. Clearly, <laughs> it's clearly something that's being reported, if you want to call it that, as, you know, people are using it as a joke on Twitter. I mean, no one had more fun with McElwain than Jimbo Fisher FSU, right? And I think <laughs> that's kind of what's making... Like yeah, I mean I know in, in our neck of the woods, in our world, the, the ratcheting up of the Georgia-Florida rivalry is kind of what's you know front and center this off season in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Florida fans are having so much fun with Florida State right now, and a lot of that I think is payback for you know oh my gosh, not only can your coach not recruit or come within forty points of Alabama, but he's on a boat like making love to sharks
1: that's a that's a beautiful way that you put it i appreciate you doing that
0: in an alternate universe let's say that the internet just immediately knew that the photo was not macklewain and you know everybody knew it was just some dude named sean who lived in upstate new york who was like a former (laughs) nypd officer whatever in that universe where nobody ever likens the shark humper to macklewain is macklewain still florida
2: uh, no, definitely not. Um, I, I think, like, it, it just wasn't going to work out. And I think Florida was trying to find a way to get rid of him. And so just kind of using how he said at the beginning of this, or during the 2017 season, how uh, his team was getting, like, death threats. I mean, first of all, you, you can't, like, make something like that up. Um, so I, I think... They were trying to uh, to find a way to get rid of him, and, and that just kind of worked out, and it was time to part ways with them. And, um, you know, luckily, they were able to get Dan Mullen when they could. So, I mean, I don't think, like, if that didn't happen, he would still be at Florida. It's certainly not, because, um, you know, they, they had the season that they had in 2017 and, um, you know, found a way to... To get him out of there
1: so you know i think they always say like from a pr standpoint morgan like you fight fire with fire and in this situation you obviously want to fight fire like which is like fake bestiality picks with fake death threats and i i think that's what he did i think it was a good <laughs> move to be honest um that being said later on that season when he <laughs> notoriously claimed he was receiving those threats from fans do you think it was actually from fans or was it from like the shark or the shark's angry wife or husband
2: um, I mean, I I don't even know how to answer that. Um, I feel like, I feel like he was maybe just kind of like, it, it just kind of slipped out of his mouth. Like he didn't mean to say that. And obviously when you're in a press conference, you know, reporters are going to be like, wait, like death threats. Um, I, I'm sure like he meant something like different than that, but, um, I mean, apparently there were, like, no findings of, like, actual death threats that were legitimate. And if there were, um, I believe there was a clause in his contract where you had to, like, report that to the university um, because it's part of, like, your duties as a head coach. Um, So either way, I mean, if he did it or not, you know, it wasn't going to go over well for him. So um, but if it came from the shark, maybe.
0: So that's that's the weird thing about this whole thing is like we find out you know after that it, that it wasn't him originally there was the thought that it was like the it was the Jimmy John's founder and apparently like the the Sentinel <laughs> did this reporting and it was just some guy who was who is a like a former NYPD officer in New York City. And this guy's like living in upstate New York. I think his name was Sean. And, you know, so, but it didn't really matter. It didn't really matter that it wasn't him. It was just the, the reaction to this. And a couple months later, the credit card scandal breaks. And then, you know, the bad start happens and he's just trying to stay afloat. But like the way that this, this whole thing just sort of spiraled in no time, even if this had never really happened, like, you know, I guess my, my question is, what were like the cracks in the foundation were there? Like McElwain was going to find his way out at Florida in due time. If this didn't happen, though, right? I mean, is that is that kind of fair to say? McElwain was on. He, he was in
3: trouble. Um, from a administration change, Scott Strickland was never comfortable with Jim McElwain. And true, and Jeremy Foley hired. Jim McElwain and Jeremy Foley's hires have mostly been given, you know, a lot of free reign, uh, by Strickland. And, you know, that's probably because most of them win so much, but I think the, the, the Outback Bowl comments, I mean, Strickland couldn't believe it because he had just a month and a half earlier after they beat LSU and Baton Rouge or whatever, you know, he had just committed to all these new facilities, um, that they were going to break ground on. I mean, Strickland, you know, I I know from talking to multiple people in the program that Strickland was, was furious about that. And uh, so I think that, yeah, the cracks, the cracks in the foundation were definitely there. And then Scott Strickland's no dummy. I mean, he's been around the SEC, not just at Florida. And he saw what, what Kirby Smart was building and he saw that they didn't score an offensive touchdown against Florida state uh, in any quarter. While Jim McElwain was the head coach ever. And I think
0: he realized, you know, that's this is not gonna work. I you know, it's that's a that's a good point to bring up too. I remember walking past Scott Strickland after the LSU game, and there was this moment there was this look on this on his face that's like it's it's hard to describe, but it was almost like I went out and I I hired Mullen. I got my guy. I didn't, you know, maybe at the time it was a little bit controversial with the McElwain stuff, although it really seems like such an obvious thing that he was on his way out with all the stuff that happened in a short period of time there. But the look that he had on this face after the LSU win last year was almost like I told everybody and I look really, really smart right now and I totally understand that. And that just kind of speaks to – to the nature of like what an AD has to do and what he has to realize when he makes these big time decisions and firing and firing a guy that had won two division titles previously, like entering the season, it was really unprecedented and I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle, but like Neither it, it was exactly. And I think he, <laughs> you know, that's a credit to the job that Strickland did and recognized that move at the time.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, it's uh, it was on it was a you know, pretty unprecedented. And I think, I think Strickland, you know, knew that that he had to do it in a way that uh, protected the program from kind of the the view, the outsider's view that like if that's who, if you fire somebody that, that succeeds that wildly, and it's an interesting contrast with like what they're seeing now with a lot of the uh, fan base pressure on on the basketball coach Mike White and the way that Strickland has just been like you guys are being ridiculous, uh, and mm-hmm. kind of how. Those dynamics are actually really interesting to look at side by side.
1: Yes, I mean, it's got to be a little bit frustrating for somebody like Mullen to come in there and, and be labeled as this great white hope from right. some of these fans, which I feel like is such a terrible analogy and nickname that people have given them, you know, coming off the Macklemore thing. It's very insensitive. I just, you know. I don't to like the that Sharks, at all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for the Sharks especially. Yeah. That being said, let us we've asked a lot of serious questions today. And I, I have just two final things that are that are a little bit a little bit more into the juicy part of the story that we haven't discussed yet. Later <laughs> on in the season, Coach Mack notoriously claimed that he was receiving threats from fans. Did we ever find out who they were from, and was it actually from the Shark or the Shark's angry significant other like I, I've long since thought? Ooh, yeah.
3: So I was I was able to confirm preparing to, to come on with you guys that uh, it was Baby Shark. That <laughs> issued, issued the death
1: threat. Um, so just just unemployment uh, F- F- shark dude dude. <laughs> we just broke that news. Doot, 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 doot. Oh, yes, sure. that's good. So and last question, and because I didn't read the ins and outs of his buyout and and you know the terms of when he was fired, but on a scale of one to fourteen thousand, how many shark tooth necklaces did he get when Florida fired him? Uh, he gets his 14,006 Shark tooth necklace tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Oh, that was that was great. Neil, we appreciate you coming on, providing some insights. Uh, you're going to continue writing great Florida stuff for us on SDS, as you always do. Uh, stay, stay out of the courtroom, and, uh, yeah, come on and talk Jim McElwain with us more often, all right? <laughs> Anytime, guys. I'd love to talk about Jimmy Mack. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it, Neil. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. That was a ton of fun to be able to, to do that. Um, I, I really – I think we need to maybe make this an annual tradition to look back. Just because the SEC, the way that the the calendar moves and, like, there's yeah. just always so much going on, we need to actually be able to take a second and look back on things like this or Bobby Petrino, you the know, on the motorcycle. The, the big yeah, because there's
1: a lot of layers things. that people don't know about. Like, I didn't know – that the Petrito thing, apparently his that woman's boyfriend beat him up.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are the things that we need to be able to go back and dissect, because yeah. if we don't, they just fall through the holes of history, and we can't have that happen.
1: That's beautiful. That Isn't is that, that is art. What is that, James Joyce? Oh, That's sure. Good.
0: Let's call it that. Um, let's get to fourth and wrong.
1: Yeah, let's get to fourth and wrong. Uh, so each and every week, we ask questions, uh, and or we ask you to send us your best non-football related questions or advice that you want answered. I'm not going to lie to you, pretty weak submissions this, this week. Yeah, Calm I'll say out. it. I'll call Calm. you out right now. Um, I don't want to say it's weaker than South Carolina's schedule, but it wasn't good, y'all. It was not good. No, it, was, it wasn't that bad. Um, but we have four questions like we do every single week for Fourth and Wrong. Let's get started. For the third week in a row, Sarthak Sharma from Twitter um, had a really good question. He said, what current Olympic sport do you think you'd be best at? The obvious answer is curling, right? I've tried it, and it's not that easy.
0: It's not that easy, but it's one of those things that if you did it enough and just devoted your entire life to it to become an Olympic athlete, I feel like that would be the go-to, right? So I'm
1: saying if you did it right now, I think that's what it, like, I think it's if you what Olympic sport could you do right now.
0: Power walking?
1: <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it's I, basically I, how I run right now. Yeah, I could do that.
0: Power walking is, is tougher than it looks, too. Um, oh, the pros okay. make it go. look they make it look easy. The
1: pros in walking <laughs> <laughs> The people that are sponsored by Sketchers shape ups. Um no I think I think uh, handball would be I used to think badminton, but nope, badminton's It's no real tough. Way but handball, too tough. that seems that seems like I could do that. What That's about racquetball? Do they have that? Racquetball's not easy. is when Jim tried sported? to do it? I don't know. Yeah, Jim,
0: Jim just got destroyed by Robert California. What's the difference does? between
1: racquetball and squash? Uh it's a, it's a different ball. Okay, I'm glad you knew that. You, somebody, I, I. It's hope, different
0: racket too. Is it? Yeah, I don't I think, think the, court, don't the think, dimensions are different too a little bit.
1: Is it like baseball and softball? Is like one like a beer sport, uh, something kind of? like that. Not really, okay. but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I'm glad. I don't think with this, this our audience. I don't think this is might be the first time that I've said something that stupid. Where like there wasn't anybody in the audience. It was like, what? How do you not know the answer to this? I would hope. It's a fair question. Hope. Okay. Um Okay, I'm gonna save this one for last because I really like it. But so we'll move next one. Favorite song that gets you pumped for no reason. This was sent in by erling 87 Also, I'm pretty sure that that our your good friend uh, Barrett Salee brought this up a couple weeks ago on My Twitter. Obviously, I, I, well, not mine. So I think that's where it came from. <laughs> um, but yeah. So but but this, this is a good question. What's like one song that gets you pumped up for no reason?
0: For no reason. That's tough because every song that you listen to as, like, a pump-up song, there's motivation behind it, Yeah. usually. Um, because my initial knee-jerk reaction said, Thunderstruck, ACDC. Um, so, like, what's a non-pump-up song that gets you pumped up is a better way to put it? Like Adele? Ooh, you know, I was listening to, I actually heard the song today, um, Snow by uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Snow. That song, it came out in, like, 2007. Sing it. Sing it real quick. Things yeah. that are kind of two and that's, that's yeah, that enough. one. Um, um, that, for whatever okay. reason, that, that gets me going pretty good.
1: Okay. Mine's uh Dave Matthews Band All Along the Watchtower. That like if I'm if I'm that that's a staple every time that I ever go for a run. That is my absolute like I will get I listen to that for the Orange Bowl and the National Championship, and I'm pretty sure most of the most other Bama games too, because I'm an how, idiot. M-
0: how many tackles did you make in the orange bowl? <laughs>
1: That's a very good point. I just remember going to the gym that morning, I was like, I'm fired up, gotta let this stuff out. Like, that's thank you, Connor. Appreciate Isn't that, that funny
0: though? Like as, as fans, sometimes like we do that, we're like, oh man, like I'm so pumped for this game tonight. I'm gonna go like get all my yeah, you know, get get it work <sighs> in the sweat right now. Like, dude, you're, you're sitting feel at like home, like, at, in home I I'm arguably in better shape
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm in better shape during the season because I'm more motivated. That's <laughs> completely irrational and dumb. Um, but yeah, okay, so up next is from Chris Gat7. He said, Should I get new tires? Or spend $500 on football tickets, and it was for Auburn, Florida.
0: Yeah, that's an important caveat in this whole thing because Auburn, Florida, they don't play each other very often. So it's it's not like you could just say, oh, you know, spend money on the tires now and just go to the game next year. How about at the tires? That's the question. That's the question. You can't not have tires. Tires are important for a car. That's what I always say. But (laughs) Auburn, Florida, like, you know, I... And you know that's to,
1: that's a that's a staple game right there. I, I know into the, don't, you don't play every year, but
0: here's here's what I'll say: going to the swamp last year made God. me realize more so that like I, I thought about like people spending money on the Florida LSU game and like the secondary ticket market yeah. and probably how much they were spending. And I remember like being in that game like thinking to myself cuz I was making tackles and stuff because of my pump up right like, <laughs> I was like you know I kind of could justify like 7 800 bucks for a ticket for this because Ooh. this is for one so ticket cool. for a ticket for this game for like okay, a like. premium top dollar like yeah. you know really like close to the field in that moment you're never going to forget that it's like would you look back on your life saying I would pay $500 for a once in a lifetime experience as a fan you so know I could justify that
1: Here's a, So, Allie, I'm pretty sure, had to buy me uh, for, like, some present. Like, she bought me tires before I had to go on any of our trips for SDS because my oh. tires were so, like, worn down. She's like, I got you. I was like, oh, thanks, boo. Um, and so, like, that's, that, that's how I had to go down to Tennessee, Florida, but I ended up missing that Hail Mary anyway. And keep in mind, uh, Chris Gatt, seven, I'm the same person that sold my entire car. So, I could go to a football game. So, I think the answer is clear. Go to the game. Go to the game. Go to the game. Yeah, Yeah. you won't forget it. Tebow cried when I did mine. Who knows what'll happen this time? That's a great point. Last but not least, this is sent in from my best friend, Jeff. Um, Keeping on brand, on theme with this actual episode. What's the most attractive animal, Connor?
0: You're attracted to. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. (laughs) There's one. That's pretty good. Is this because of the whole Sonic the Hedgehog thing about... Um, no, I
1: think he was just trying to make you uncomfortable and didn't think you would have an answer for it, but you... Yeah, it's, re- it's Lola. Everybody knows that. That's, she's pretty hot. Um, Jessica Rabbit, does that count? She's... I mean, that's stupid. Uh, I don't like the face you kind of are really making sad. right now. I wish we didn't make eye contact. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say... I, I thought the question was for, like, actual animals. Like, I would never cuddle a shark because they have... The way their skin is, it'll cut you up. I learned that the hard way. Well, we learned animals.
0: that from taking a trip down memory lane this episode too yeah
1: i would yeah. say panda i mean pandas are attractive though i think pandas uh, and their You're body weight is how panda? most people in middle america spend most of their waning years just sitting there eating well it's grain i guess not green and, stuff and just and that's attractive weight to you? it's not attractive me. i'm just saying I, I could spend my life with a panda i could grow old with a panda
0: that's a different discussion than attraction.
1: That is true. Yeah, that's true. All right, you know what? I didn't answer <laughs> it There's right. no good answer. Lola, buddy. I would just, you know what? If it's not about cigarettes reminding me of nostalgia, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so two weeks in a row. Still can't uh, believe you said that. Yeah, me neither, to be honest. That was tough. Um, okay, so real quick before we get into Might Mean Too Much, we are going to read <laughs> our mean tweet of the week. This is actually pretty awesome. I watched Mrs. Doubtfire last week, and I brought up something about how ridiculous it was. That, like, when you watch it as you're older, you're like, how the hell did she afford this house? This is crazy. Oh, and yeah, our, San Francisco,
0: right? Yeah,
1: it's a corner house, like, in, like, beautiful downtown San Francisco. She has three kids and a nanny. That's outrageous. Um, Will Wade Gang Gang who's one of my favorite people on Twitter. Uh, He's a big LSU fan. He just says, quote, Oh, you think? Mrs. Doubtfire was a dirtbag and deserves nothing. Whoa. <laughs> So that's your mean tweet of the week. Connor, take it into It might mean too much.
0: I've got a fire take. That movie is incredibly overrated. Well, I'm not going to do this with you again because you do respect Robin Williams, so it's fine. It is incredible. Yeah. Sirens are coming. Perfect time for the hot take. Oh, perfect. We got fire takes. Um, it might mean too much. This week is a photo of these twins that went viral. You saw this because you, of course, Auburn, Bama. He
1: won some free SCS stickers.
0: Did he really? Oh, yeah, okay. He's a great guy. That's good to know. So if you haven't seen this story, um, basically, there's two twins. They're picking their college choice. One, the the boy twin is named Matt, and he picks Auburn. And the girl twin is named Emily. She picks Bama. The dad is decked out in Auburn gear, and he's smiling. And all these balloons are with his son in this picture. And in the right side of the picture, Emily, the girl, is wearing her Bama shirt. And she has one balloon, and she's wearing a frown. Apparently, Emily did not go there. Uh, for football though that's what she said in this al.com story as we found out though from the rest of this story the mom was blown away that this story went viral yeah could they not couldn't, believe they couldn't be nicer um so they were like they were floored they're like why did so many people have a reaction to this blah 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 um, and just for a little background, like it was all meant to be a joke. They said that yeah. the whole thing was, was a joke because the mom, the dad, the aunts, the uncles, grandparents, they all went to Auburn. So it was like, oh, you know, the girls going to Bama. She was in on the joke, all yeah. that, whatever. The original tweet, which has since been deleted, it said in the tweet, our twins have made their decisions. We're equally proud of both. So the original tweet also tweeted at drunk Abby, the Twitter account, uh, Oh, Abby, not Abby. Yeah. Wow. I read that way too quickly. My bad. And Auburn, you <laughs> So of course, Drunk Aubie retweeted it and quote it tweeted it. Awesome. Why do you think it went viral? <laughs> Probably because you tweeted it at them.
1: They so So this was this was funny and it was it was cool and kind of like cutesy Southern type things. Like, oh, we're proud of both of them. Like you could see it if you're smart enough. I would assume that everybody saw that this was obviously a joke. But now I know this will shock you, Connor. But what if I told you that Auburn and Alabama fans online. Quickly, quickly turn this into a giant, giant argument.
0: I wouldn't believe you. I'd be surprised. <laughs>
1: there was, this is what got him the stickers is I was reading through our comments and so and he was so nice and quaint. He was like, somebody goes, Notice the Bama fans the only one wearing shoes. <laughs> and it's like these these guys are like very well to do like like they look like affluent nice people like dressed well like dressed well and and he was like yeah i'm sorry it was just a fun family photo at the house and i'm wearing he's like a lot of people i know wear at Chaco so again the whole viral thing i don't like he did he did tweet at Chaco in his response yeah. and he was like they're a very popular brand and we really like them or something like that so I, I just like, he's like, no, like the other guy responded, was like, I didn't mean to any disrespect. This is great. Congratulations. And I was like, I don't know. I think it was on my birthday to be honest. So I had some drinks. I was like, that's how all internet conversation should go. <laughs> so he was, he was really nice. But yeah, that was, that was good.
0: Uh, let's get to some five-star reviews. I can't remember where we left off last week. A uh, little pill behind the onion here. Uh, we had a lot of five star reviews we, that we so many didn't we can't get to even count them last week. Um I'm going to I'm going to assume we we left off this one. This one is from G Michael Michael. That doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Um an okay and a thumbs up was the subject. Love this podcast. Nice fusion of humor and level-headed analysis the latter in which a lot of SEC podcasts are lacking. I'm not going to name other SEC podcasts, but thank you for that comment because that made me feel good.
1: Yeah, that was good. Um uh yeah, this is where we left off. So this is from K-Step, Best Sports Podcast. This podcast is my go-to for all things SEC. I'll keep you it'll keep you in the loop 24-7. You guys keep me laughing and up to date on everything. Keep up the good work and I'll keep listening.
0: Whoa, pressure's on. We gotta keep up yeah. the good work. All right. This is from Livy with a bunch of Ys and V's. Uh, subject SDS love this podcast. Move up to Missouri and go to college in the northern part of the state. And it's good to get to listen to a true Southern podcast where the priorities are right. Marler and O'Gara make even make the off season fun. I hope we made the off season more fun today. Yeah, I really I hope think
1: it's actually that. where we shine. Um, this one says very good. Uh, <laughs> these next two these next two subject lines aren't great. Um, very good. Says, I, it's from SEC fan 0989. I love this podcast. I listen often, and they do a very good job of covering all things SEC. This is one of my favorite sports podcasts. Oh, all
0: right. Uh, this subject line, even better. Not boring! <laughs> Exclamation, Exclamation point. point. <laughs> this is from uh, Sheik I'm Bro. Uh, sorry, I definitely botched that. But, uh, shake him, bro. Shake him, bro. Um, so much better than listening to Clay Travis. Oh, maybe that was another SEC podcast that was being brought go. up earlier. Connor and Chris do a great job of keeping it fun, informative, biased, and entertaining.
1: i going to let that last part out. We'll talk about that right. later. Shake him, bro. Right. Uh, and last but not least, Nazarite 3 says it just means more. Do yourself a favor and subscribe and listen. You can thank me later. Hashtag go dogs.
0: I'm going to thank you right now. That yeah, was great. I appreciate Thank you. that. Yeah. Thank you for everybody who's left us a five-star review. If you haven't, or if you know somebody who hasn't, please tell them to do so.
1: Yell at them in public. Tweet at them. Tweet, you know what? We'll start tweeting out every single day how many days it's been since you guys left us a five-star review, and I'll find out where, where all of your Twitter handles are.
0: In honor of Adam Sandler coming back to Saturday Night Live That's for awesome. the first time in 24 years, that was awesome. You ain't cool unless you pee in your pants. You ain't cool unless Whoa. you give us a five-star review. Just throwing I, that out there.
1: That's a different place, but yeah. All right. Guys, thank you very much, Kyle. I'm I'm, I'm gonna cut you all day talking about peeing pants. I'm gonna pee my pants. I'm excited. Great episode. Talk to you later.
0: Kojo, you've had too much, right? Yeah! (laughs) Talk to you next week.